We're doing a two-part series that we're calling Blessings and Battles. And we're looking at the account of Jesus' baptism and then his temptation by the devil in the wilderness. And we're thinking about this idea that God is always pouring good things, blessings into our lives. But sometimes these are opposed. Sometimes there is a spiritual opposition to this and we experience battles. And it's about when we hit a tough time, understanding that there is a spiritual reality going on behind. Now, last Sunday I was talking about this and I said, often we try to find meaning in our circumstances. So we hit a hard time and we either think, we think, why is this happening to me? And we either think, well, obviously God's upset with me. I've done something wrong. God has left me and that's why I'm having a hard time because God isn't with me anymore. Or we think, well, this devil is attacking me and this has nothing to do with, with me or anything else. It is just the devil's attacking me and that's the problem. And actually neither of those are very helpful because when we look in the Bible, and this one's a perfect example, so Jesus has this massive blessing, this affirmation from God in his baptism, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. But then it says, to, says in the Bible that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so we see the spiritual reality is not as black and white as we would like. And actually when we hit tough times, we need to realize that God is always with us but sometimes the devil is involved in that as well. Sometimes the enemy is involved in that as well. And so rather than looking at our circumstances and saying, let me find meaning in this, why is this happening to me? Because there's always someone who's better off than us and there's always someone who's worse off than us. So comparisons aren't helpful. It's better for us to look for meaning in our response. Is what I'm doing helping me lean into God or is my response taking me away from God? And that is the real nature of the spiritual battle, not the circumstances, but our response, how we are going to God or going to something else. Today's session I want to think about this account and it starts at the baptism with this wonderful blessing which is this affirmation and approval that Jesus gets from God. God says this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now this harks right back to the start of the Bible when God created men and women and we were made to have this intimate loving connection with God. So if you've heard people talk about a God-shaped hole in our lives the God-shaped hole isn't about believing in God or uh, trying to be obedient to God. It's about that connection that only God can feel, this loving relationship that we have with him. And so we all have that. And we see in this Jesus uh, embodying perfect humanity finds this uh, affirmation direct from God. But for us, for human beings, in our broken state, with our broken experiences, often we look in other places for that. So we look to other things, other people, other circumstances, other situations for approval, for affirmation. We are trying to please other things. So what I want you to do now is pause the video and have a conversation. What other things, as we look around the world around us, what other things do people go to for affirmation, for approval? What other things are people trying to please with their life? And in fact, if you want to be a bit more vulnerable, you can talk about what other things do you actually find when you look at your life, you think, oh, I'm always 
that always means significantly more to me than it should, or I'm always trying to get that in my life. So stop the video now and think, what things, people, places, situations do we go to looking for approval and affirmation? I hope you had a good discussion, you were able to come up with things. Now, what you will have come up with is examples and stuff that fit our culture, our specific circumstances that we see in the world around us. But if we go one step further, at the root, there's something more fundamental that, that is represented by the thing we thought of. And in the Bible, we call this a principality and a power. And it is something that we will look to for, for something that only God should give us. Now, when there is something that we are trying to get approval from and we give our time, energy and money to it, we give our focus to it, we give it priority, that's another way of saying we are worshipping that thing. So in the Bible language, it would talk about idols and worshipping idols. Now, we don't use this language and it's not because we're any less religious. We just don't think in that way. So, for example, let's say we thought one of the things that people go to for affirmation and acceptance and approval is uh, their career. They want to become the, you know, become a person of status in their career. And so they do that. So they give their time, their energy, their money, they sacrifice other things so that they can progress in their career. Now, thousands of years ago, that would have been the same thing, but it would have been specifically a god of fertility because they want their crops to have a bountiful harvest. They want their cattle to have more young. They want, they want to build themselves up to, to become this, you know, like a person of status. And they would have called that the idol, an idol of fertility. They would have had a name for that God. So we don't do that, but really what's going on in our heart is exactly the same thing. And so now as we look at the temptations of Jesus, we'll see that it's a temptation for us to move away from what pleases God into what pleases something else and the route to that. When we look at these temptations, actually they all kind of do the same thing, which is they are tempting Jesus that the end justifies the means. This idea that as long as there's a good end, something that's good and, and fine and God would approve of at the end, then the means to get there is fine. And I think this is such a seductive idea, even for us today. This idea that these shortcuts, this way of doing it, sometimes we might even think it's prudent, you know, or try and justify it some way to get the thing at the end means that we can do something that we might not feel 100% comfortable with to get there. And the more I think about this, the more I think this is just not a Christian way to think. The whole idea of discipleship is the means. You know, it's that day to day making those obedient, right decisions as God leads us and trusting him for the end. You know, acknowledging actually we don't really know where we are going to end up, but day by day we're going to follow God. So we're going to look at the three temptations that Jesus faces and there's a lot of theological depth in this. There's a lot of stuff you can read or listen to or, or look at around this but we're just going to take a kind of like a, a window on this to think about the temptation to our, our wants and needs, the temptation to our status and the temptation to our purpose. So this is from Matthew 4. Uh, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, 
The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This massive understatement, Jesus was hungry. The temptation here is about Jesus' physical needs. This thing that he he wants, he wants to eat food. And the temptation here is for Jesus to pick up his divine power again. He had created the universe. So the idea of creating bread out of stones is not a problem if you've created the universe. He created the universe, but in obedience to the Father, he had laid aside all his divine power and, and was living as a normal human being. So the temptation here is to say, hey, look, you've got this ability, use it now to do this thing. Now, Jesus obviously discerned that although he might want food, God, God had told him not to break his fast. And so there's this difference between what he needs and what he wants. And so Jesus doesn't uh, take the shortcut of picking up his power to make the stones into bread. Now, I think we can learn from this that sometimes there are things that God tells us that he doesn't want us to use. Sometimes we have skills or abilities. Sometimes they are good skills and abilities. Sometimes we know we're misusing them, but sometimes we can use them to get the things that we want. And so I'm thinking that if you are a quick thinker, if you are good with your words, you can sometimes manipulate or force people to do things to get what you want. You can uh, make them feel guilty. You can make them feel pressured, these sorts of things. And that this laying down of, I'm not gonna use this skill I have because to use it, and it might be a, a gift from God, but to use it in this way is not a way that pleases God. And instead that thing that we want, we need to understand that when it becomes a need that we will trust God to provide for us. So I had an experience when I was 18, I took a year out and I worked for a church as part of this course. And through a number of uh, different situations, I realized that I was using my sense of humor, uh, especially kind of to be sarcastic and disruptive and undercut stuff, to, to, uh, to disrupt what the leaders wanted to do, but to satisfy my need to have people like me, you know, and all this. And very strongly, I felt God tell me, like through people talking to me, I just felt I need to stop doing that. So I had to lay down, like making all the wise cracks and the jokes and all these opportunities I saw to be sarcastic. I had to lay it down. And it was a really profound moment for me because I didn't know if God would let me take it back up again. I felt like I had to become this serious people. It really questioned my, the way I saw myself, my identity, and I had to trust God for that. And so we might have other things where we have a power in us, you know, it could be physical strength, it could be the way our brain works, it could be the way we can, we have skills. We can use those to please ourselves, but sometimes we just understand that that is not pleasing God and we need to lay it down. The second temptation is this, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. I think this temptation is for Jesus to improve his status. You know, he's come to be 
you know, he's come to be a person who's going to change the world. And so surely the best way to do that is start to show people that you're really special. And the devil's saying, well, of course, yeah, show you're special. Look, there's this promise in the Bible, do this. Everyone will be like, wow, who's this guy? Now we must really listen to him. To seek out approval and acclaim from people instead of from God is the issue here. To look to people to satisfy our our desire to be someone who's considered important, someone who has approval and acclaim. And this is something that we all do. You know, this new phrase that's come up the last few years, the humble brag, these ways that we are trying to show people how wonderful we are, actually just speaks of a deep insecurity in ourselves. And that security is not gonna be filled by other people saying how wonderful we are or how great we are. It's only gonna be filled by us listening to what God is already saying about how wonderful he thinks we are. Now what's interesting about this temptation is the devil actually uses part of the Bible to tell Jesus you should do this. And it just speaks to me of the level of discernment Jesus is showing to discover what will please God, you know, rather than take a bit of the Bible out of context to do what, what is a shortcut, what might please himself in that moment. And I think this idea of discernment is so important in this of status because we really need to start looking at what's going on in our heart to discover our motives for why we do things, why we say things. Because I don't think we solve this issue by just always putting ourselves down and becoming like a worm and never doing anything or, you know, always being that person who can't take a compliment, you know, can't, if someone says thank you to us, we're always pushing it away. That's a whole nother issue in itself. Rather, it's about just being so secure that God is the one who affirms us, that we are free to be ourselves. And sometimes that means that other people appreciate that as well. And sometimes it means that people miss it. But either way, it doesn't matter because we're doing this all to please God. And the third temptation is this. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So this temptation is about purpose. It's about the point of us or of Jesus being on the earth. Jesus knew he was, his purpose was to become king of the earth. And this is a shortcut that avoids the cross. It is the compromise where we know this is a compromise that displeases God. And really all the veneer of, uh, you know, these kind of like, you could probably justify this, the ends justify the means, I can give you a reason why you can take this shortcut. This is all cleared off on this because the devil says, you must worship me. It's this idea of what is first and foremost importance to us. What is the priority that we will give ourselves to? And if it is anything other than God, we are leaning away from him instead of into him. So this is about discovering why we are here, what we have to do, and then doing it in God's way. So Jesus resists all of those temptations, and it's interesting to look at how he did it. Often when we try to resist a temptation, what we do is we kind of summon up our willpower and you know just choose not to do it and make sure we don't do it. 
But what happens is then we start becoming pleased with our progress and then we start becoming proud of our progress and we end up with spiritual pride. You know you're in this when you are thinking either, oh, I haven't done that for so long, aren't I wonderful? You know, I haven't given into that for X number of weeks. Or we start looking at other people and judging them and thinking, oh, or they, they're doing that and I've given up doing that. When we get to that situation, we haven't resisted the temptation. We've, we've, we're fighting one sin with another sin. You know, it's no good to us. What we need to do is what Jesus does. Jesus responds to all of these with the Bible, with the Bible. So he is responding with God's reality. Now for us, it is to become so saturated in God's reality through the Bible, um, through our community, through hearing what God's doing in other people's lives. Uh, so I don't know if necessarily Bible memorization is the key, so we can quote a scripture, although that is a really good thing to do, but it is knowing who God is as revealed through the Bible that is really important so that we are not looking to beat the temptation in our own strength, but we are, even in that point, resting and trusting in God. And it's that way that transformation happens. Rather than managing our temptations and managing our sins, what we are doing is leaning into God and allowing him to transform us. And one of the best prayers we can pray is an acknowledgement, God, I am such a wretch. I, I am tempted and then I gave in, I did this thing and I don't want to be that person. Please, will you transform me? So I want to finish just by pulling back from this story because what's going on in the temptation, in the baptism temptation of Jesus is a theme that is throughout the Bible. And there's, and there's a real clear hint. So Jesus is 40 days and 40 nights. And that reminds us, that is a number that comes up in the Bible quite a lot. And it reminds us, so if we go right back to the start, humanity is created to be in this perfect relationship with God and then it goes wrong and the world becomes broken. And that becomes exemplified in the story of one family that becomes a nation, Israel. And Israel are in Egypt and they are slaves. They are trapped as slaves. But God leads them out and he parts the Red Sea and they go through the sea and then they are in the wilderness for 40 years. So that this 40 days, 40 nights that Jesus has is the same, same uh, reminds us of the 40 years the Israelites have. And the idea is that in Egypt, it represents slavery of being trapped. And the, what happens in the New Testament, it talks about that. That is us being trapped by our sinful nature, being trapped by the sins, and that the enemy is the one that's holding us in that trap. Well, Jesus enters into that story, and in his baptism, he leaves Egypt and goes through the Red Sea. That's his baptism, going through the sea. And then his 40 days and 40 nights is like the nation of Israel in the wilderness. But they are disobedient. God asks them to do stuff and they keep turning away, whereas Jesus is fully obedient. Obedient all the way through his life, although battles continue. If you keep reading straight after this, he goes and has this amazing blessing where he has the, calls his disciples. He has these uh, people come to him. He's healing people, casting out demons, a blessing. And then immediately after, if you read carefully, he, there's this temptation to set up a ministry centre and become famous and get people. And he says, no, I'm going to go and wander around these insignificant villages instead. The, always these temptations, these blessings and battles continue. But Jesus does that all the way to the cross where he dies for us, allowing us this substitution. So Jesus enters into the story of humanity, but instead of being disobedient, he's obedient. He pleases God, even though it costs his, his life. And so 
our lives that have been broken and destroyed are now go to the cross with him. All the enemy wants to do is done, but we receive from Jesus his life, his life that he's won for us. So we can be free of this uh, slavery that the sin wants to have us in. So as we go through our week ahead, if we are just aware of where are we being pulled away from pleasing God, where are we trying to satisfy, trying to please other things, and how do we immerse ourselves in the God reality? How do we you know, use the Bible to help us lean into God instead of trying to use our own strength, trying to take a shortcut, trying to justify the means because we think the end's going to be fine to do that? So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have won the battle for us. Lord, as we, as we go through these trials and tribulations, it's really just, it's like wading against a stream sometimes because the enemy's wanting to pull us back. But that's, the victory's been won from us. We are not trapped in that. We can, we can still continue to walk forward towards you. We can walk towards you in good times and in bad times. But we pray that you would give us eyes to see the spiritual reality and to just notice those times when sometimes when things go wrong, it just feels too much, too much of a coincidence. It's all going wrong at the same time. And we can just lean on you and know that you are with us in the midst of any battles. That Your blessings are always present with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.